This is my comeback. This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to the comeback. So good to be back on the comeback. Um, I am here with one of my heroes in the faith, and literally one of the best preachers on the planet. I know that that he wouldn't say that or agree to that, but I'm telling you. Uh, his ministry has has lit me up so many times, um, Corey. It is an honor to have you on the comeback. Trey, I'm so honored to be with you, man. I I, I truly am glad to be here. Awesome. So so Corey, with just kind of just giving you heads up on this audience, a lot of the people that are going to be listening are going to be people on the front end of their journey out of addiction. Um, I know we've talked briefly about Good Landing Recovery, but it is a substance abuse program located here in Atlanta, Georgia. We've got about 110-ish clients in the program. And I mean, there's all, you know, all different types of people who listen, but so many of those, they're, you know, they're struggling. They're trying to figure out this God thing. You know, I've got parents who are listening right now that are thinking, okay, my kid's in there. You know, is there really any hope for them? Are they just always going to be this this kind of second class citizen? And um, I know you've got some some thoughts on that and can speak to that. And and I know a little bit about your story that I've really just heard from from other people. So just however you want to start, either with your story or just kind of speaking to some of those thoughts. Yeah, I'll I'll um, I'll, I'll, I'll share my story and then I'll kind of get into it. Um, I'm originally from Northwest Arkansas, and you know I uh, grew up good family, both parents, awesome parents. But I, I don't know what it was, but there just was no real deep conviction concerning getting high and getting drunk throughout your high school years. And you know I don't, I got into some gangster rap music, so I think that kind of indoctrinated me a little bit. This little white, this little white kid from Arkansas kind of took on a whole mindset. So. Um, <laughs> And so I had no resistance when when the first blunt and forty came my way, <laughs> and so that kind of characterized my high school years. I was good manners and good athlete, but I would be partying. And and as I reflected back on it, once athletics was out of the equation, and I didn't go to college with it. I didn't know who I was, and it was massive identity. Uh, issue of who am I? I know I got to make good grades, but I was in a real search for purpose and identity. And that's what led me to go into the next level of how I can get that vacuum. And so with with the drugs and the alcohol and the uh, just going in deep and by nature, the Lord's created a a large capacity in me. You know, we're not going to do anything. We're going to do it. And so (laughs) I went all in and, you know, meth was hitting our area really hard. I got my first DWI after my first year of college and I couldn't afford to go back to the university that I, w- that I was at. So I, I jumped in with a good friend in our hometown area in Northwest Arkansas. Both come from really, you know, praying parents, praying mom. And, but when we reconnected, he had gotten a meth hookup and before we knew it, we were full on into it, staying up three, four days a week at a time. Wow. And just slipped right in. And our lives just to begin to uh, crumble. Didn't really know it, but just living in that constant Tweetville. Um, 
and uh, look, you know, spend, you know, people ask, what'd you do? I go, we just looked out our windows all night we just <laughs> from behind every bush. And uh, that, that's what we did. And, uh, and uh, that went on, kept going on, but we had a praying mom and it just got darker and darker. I've never seen anything rip the soul and rip the identity out of a person like what that did. And um, uh, in November of, uh, of 96, when we'd come off a drug high, been up for a few days, come off of it, he, he came back and he was weird. And he quit talking. Uh, he just looked, you know, for about the next three to four months, my friend didn't talk anymore. We just thought he messed his brain up. Me and my other buddies were talking about interventions for him. And, you know, you know you're in trouble when the dope heads are trying to do interventions <laughs> on right. the dope heads. And, um, and so he, uh, he was in that state for four months and it, and it culminated on February 1st, 1997. It's my, it's my birthday. And I'd been at the university of Arkansas partying that night and I'm going to drive in, pick him up and we're going to go hang out for my birthday. And I hadn't seen him in a few days. I pull up into his driveway and he comes running out the front door, screaming at me at the top of his lungs. And he's screaming, Corey, it's heaven or hell. Corey, it's heaven or hell. You've got to make a decision right now. Wow. And the first conversation I've had with him in four months and he's screaming at the top of his lungs. And he had like five younger brothers and sisters out there. And I'm backing up. I'm, Dude, what's wrong with you? Talk to me. He goes, you need to give your life to Jesus right now. And so I, I didn't know this. I ended up grabbing my friend and we left. Well, it was known that, that uh, my friend's mother was at a TD Jakes conference the weekend before. And he said, come up here and get your children. And she had gotten a breakthrough in intercession for, for him on Saturday and it manifested on Wednesday and she led him through a three day deliverance. And, uh, he had known the Lord as a child and she got break. I mean, this, this woman is a fiery devil come out or I'm coming in after you kind of woman. Yeah. And, uh, just anoint everybody with oil, anoint all of our pillows, just anoint everything with oil. And, um, he goes through this three day deliverance. He's saved and I'm angry. I felt betrayed. <clears throat> I put up with a weirdo for four months. You're this close to 21, heck, and you're going to ruin this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, just the deep, the deep memoirs of a 20 year old. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't, you know, even looking back on it, I, I don't think, um, I, I don't think I'd ever considered, I've always been a real happy guy, but something happened when that happened those next two weeks. I'd, I'd begin to consider suicide. I was really angry and upset and hurt over the fact that he left me. Mm. And um, two weeks later, he showed up at college. I was still studying to be an elementary teacher. And uh, thank God, you know, the Lord broke in. But uh, <laughs> strung out, you know, dealing with Timmy. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so he takes me to lunch and he shares, he goes, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. For, for those four months, the spirit realm was opened up to me. I was seeing angels. I was seeing demons. I was seeing what was controlling people. And Corey, you're being controlled by real demons. The, the choices you've made, the choices we've all made have invited darkness into our lives. He says, and, and I heard the voice of God tell me that Satan is raising up an army, but I'm raising up an army too. And Zach, I'm calling you out tonight. And I want you to go call your friends out. He says, and so Corey, with that, you need to give your life to Jesus. This thing is for real. By this time, I had two DWIs. My license was gone. Wow. And I was just hard, though. I was just like, you know, probably cussed him out. I said, 
dude, take me back to school. We're done. Yeah. I don't hear this. And he, he goes, fine. And so he, he drove back to the college, pulled into the parking lot. And right before I get out of the van, I didn't know who it was at the time, but now I know it was Holy Spirit. Uh, the, a presence moved into the van and began to move from the right of my body to the left of my body. And, and before I knew it, I was shaking violently like I was having a seizure. That's all I knew is the power of God hit me. Wow. And I'm in a full-on shaking mode. And uh, I, I, all I could see was a tug-of-war battle. I saw little flashes of a tug-of-war battle between light and darkness over my soul. Well, he pulled in the back of the parking lot. He starts praying and casting out spirits. And before I knew it, I'm starting to choke. And I knew I had to get out the name Jesus. But all I could get out was G's, trying to say Jesus, get out G's. And the thing was getting tighter. And he had taken authority over the Antichrist spirit is literally what he took authority over. You know, first John talks about the spirit of the Antichrist that's already at work in the earth. And I think it's the ultimate resistance to the leadership of Jesus, Mm. which is the core reality. It's the refusal to submit to Jesus. And, um, And so whatever happened in that was a submission of my will to Jesus. And so I'm trying to say, Jesus, I can't get it out. Finally, I took a deep breath. And with all the power inside of me, I just screamed Jesus. And right when I screamed his name, it was like God, the hole broke off of me. And it was like God came and breathed into my mouth. And all I could say for five minutes is I've got air. I've got air. I've got air. And then after about five minutes, I heard a voice as clear as day coming to my mind. And the voice says, get out of the van, get on the pavement and give me your life, your mind. So I'm in a college parking lot, kids running everywhere. And I'm, I've jumped out into the van, into the parking lot, and I'm screaming, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. That was my sinner's prayer. Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. And that was February 18th, 1997. And in that moment, I passed from death to life. I experienced what's called being born again. I, I never knew. I knew religion. I knew going to church. I knew things about God, but I didn't know him. And he wasn't on the inside. He wasn't real to me. And I experienced that born again experience. I was born again. I was delivered immediately of all the drugs, the alcohol, the perversion. It just, it just went. It took me a few weeks into revival to get rid of the cigarettes, but the the other stuff (laughs) got dealt with. And so (laughs) it took, it took next level, but, um, but that stuff immediately. And then I, and so I'm sitting out there and I, I experienced just waves of the glory of God on me. And just I'm weeping in a college parking lot. Wow. God set me free. I went home for that afternoon undone. I literally sat on my porch swing for two hours undone by <clears throat> how blue the sky was, how green the grass was and how loud the birds were. And I was just it's like I had been dead for 20 years. And for the first time I was alive. Oh. And um and, 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 you know, it, it tore my parents up because my dad just kept going to work and mom took all this pressure because she did a good job of raising and, and what in the world, she took it so personal. And uh, this, I just fell into my mom's lap and said, I, I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus. And what began to happen is within a month, I had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that or bigger in, in encounters. And I led my brother to the Lord who was still in high school. He went crazy for Jesus in the high school. And over the next six months, we saw half the high school come to Jesus. We saw a small church begin to host a move of God, five meetings a week till three in the morning. 
And I got a whole, I just went, it literally was an overnight shift for me. And I realized everybody's story is different. And I'm grateful for my story, but I know that there's tons of stories that God honors and has his story to bring about to the same end. And so I, I celebrate what, what he did there. And, and I haven't been the same since. I've carried a deep thing in my heart for addicts from that day, for people that have been caught up in stuff. I did a lot of prison ministry right after it. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, I, first of all, that's my story. And then, and then I've been on a journey for the last 23 years. Yeah. I found for me that living, I, I knew I had to live really close to God to, you know, I, there was an old book that says, and he was talking about prophets in the Old Testament. He says the prophets had to live on the summit to avoid the abyss. The prophets had to live on the summit to avoid the abyss. And I knew that was my call. Wow. I have to live as close to God. Because, one, I understand how deep this thing goes. I understand how dark this thing gets. I understand me. And I need God with every waking moment of my life. And that, that would probably have driven me to this moment is this conscious awareness of my need. And, and, and so that was me. I had had a 2DWI, so I would spend eight hours. I couldn't drive nowhere, so I'd just read my Bible for eight hours a day. It's so crazy. And I'm like, you know what? I got to get all those Tupac lyrics out of my head. Yeah. So I'm going to read Psalm 119 and try to get new, new, new lyrics in my head. <laughs> so, that's right. So anyway, so that that's some of my story, and we we can tease out some of the things that what it looks like. I, I'm just kind of shocked at the at the parallel. So my my drug of choice was meth. I went through ten treatment centers by the time I was 25. Um, joined the Air Force, got my my fourth DUI. Two of them I'd gotten out of is really my second on paper. Also couldn't drive. And so that was the deal, man. I mean, I would just, I would beg these people to come pick me up at the Air Force Base, take me to Bible study. And then I just remember, you know, walking that mile and a half back to my dorm room and processing spiritual warfare. And, you know, I'm not using this time to tell my story, but just listening, I just was just kind of shocked at um, so much of the the parallel there. But, uh, you know, I, I think that you know what what so many of us you know you know just just about our entire program was at Newbridge a couple of weeks ago whenever you preached and so you know they walk in on the front end of the the journey they're seeing the guy that's been saved running hard for for 23 years getting lit up in the service and you know i just think like what what is you know what what are they doing with their time right now. Um, and I know you spoke to some of that of just, you know, staying close to the Lord because you know how dark this thing gets, but just breaking that down, you know, for us so we understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think when you're dealing with addiction, you're dealing with psychological ruts, a lot of psychological highways that have been built by repetition. You found places of safety, places of comfort, places to run to in pain and boredom and all kinds of places. So I think the biggest issue is about the issue of the mind and about shifting it. And, and this is, this may be a little different. It's definitely Bible. It's definitely mixing it, get, giving a life close to not just Bible study, 
but meditation in the Bible is actually turning the Bible into prayer and 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 praying the Bible back to God and and seeing God with it because I I believe that it's like little lines of code. Every time you speak God's word back to Him, a new line of code is written inside your psyche, wow. is written inside your emotional chemistry, and that light is touching you on the inside. So I think about as the Bible, and I intermingle, and this is something I heard from uh, 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 an English woman who went to Hong Kong called Jackie Pollinger, and she wrote a book years ago that she she had gone to the walled city in Hong Kong. And her ministry were to heroin addicts. And so she's getting all these heroin addicts saved. And her first line of thing is getting them baptized in the spirit and speaking in tongues. And I want to, and what, because this is the thing. And I, you know, there's tons of stuff. I I believe it. The devil's going to work overtime to make this a big issue. But I want to tell you, she said what happens. And this is what they've done studies at Oral Roberts University on this stuff about what happens when you pray in tongues. It's literally a different, it comes from a different place. I, I have found in my life that praying in tongues, it rewires your brain. Mm. It rewires your brain and it brings alignment with the word of God, the will of God. You feel God. It brings back divine emotions. It almost synchronizes you with heaven. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, I don't hear a lot of people talking about that. She said she saw her number one source of breakthrough was getting them praying in tongues for hours a day. Wow. And, and I have, that's been something that has, I would say, a deep love for the Bible, meditating prayer, not just study, praying the Bible. Yeah. Singing the Bible and then praying in tongues. And I would say that and throw in some fasting. Yeah. Because this is the thing. All, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not just calling people addicts or calling them. We're, we're sons and daughters of God on a journey. Uh, it's not about being typed or anything like that. But when you have cultivated a life of feeding the beast yeah, and of giving, because this is the ultimate thing, that when you've given way to addiction, you have, you have built a life of whenever that dog barks, you respond. Whenever that thing... And there's no defense to the system. So fasting starves out the God of your belly. It starves out the God of what you feel or what you don't feel. Or, and, and, and I found fasting puts your spirit in the front seat and it puts your soul in the back seat. Wow. And, and I have found those three things have brought me in my, deepened me in God. And you're like, some of us are just at the start of our journey. Okay, I'm going to say that to somebody mature right there on that level. If you're just, but I'm going to say, hey, and, and and, you know, Sermon on the Mount, the thing I preached a couple weeks at Newbridge, that's what Jesus gave to three minute old believers. So I'm going to give you what you're made for and don't start it now. Just jump in. But I want you to know, and this is this is what you want to be meditating on and praying through and praying in the spirit around is how deeply loved you are by God on how much he loves you, on how extravagant his grace and mercy is, yeah. that his blood is stronger than your most shameful sin. The most shameful thing, the most shameful thing you've stuck in your body, the most shameful thing you've done or stolen from another parent or a spouse or a kid or anything else, 
that the blood of Jesus cleanses you from all of it. And that, and that his blood washes you, cleanses you, and that right now in the presence of God, and this is what you've got to grow in. The Bible says that he became sin so that we would become the righteousness of God. Here's a new phrase I want you to get on the inside of you. I'm as clean as Jesus is. Mm. I'm as clean and I'm as close to the Father as Jesus is. And you got to understand that you, you've got to begin to shift the way you think because dirty people act dirty. People mm-hmm. who think dirty act dirty. Yeah. And so this is about as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Yeah. Anyway, I, I know you know all about this, and but I want to just say to everyone out there, God loves you. He, you, you aren't a second-class citizen. You're not somebody that's going to live at some some distance. There's no, there's no second-class citizens in the kingdom. That's why I said Jesus doesn't shop at shop at thrift stores, which means you don't get secondhand righteousness. Yeah, you get His righteousness. You get His claim in the dignity and the honor. And the nobility that comes, there may be consequences that may be your limp for the rest of this life. But that does not change who you are before God and the dignity that you walk in. So, I mean, yeah, I, I have just found, I found a deep understanding of the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, the need for other people. You need brothers and sisters pushing into the same thing. You need people that are going to sing your song back to you when you forget it. Yeah. That's so And that, that's the power of the community and the power of people that are pushing into the same thing and saying, we ain't got time to, to keep going back to the same vomit that produces the same thing. Yeah, that's right. H- how long after your conversion did you find the house of prayer? Um. I, I think it was probably about six months that a, that a family connected because I'm from Northwest Arkansas. It's only about four hours south of Kansas City. Okay, a, a family began to connect me with Mike Bickle's ministry uh, and, and his teaching ministry. I came to a conference up there, really resonated with me, and I was listening to a lot of his messages uh, leading up to the start of the House of Prayer in September of 1999. Yeah, and so and then I and then we made the jump. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that was, I remember some friends of mine early on handed me the Mary of Bethany series as a game changer. So I was, you know, thinking on the front end, you know, before we jumped on this podcast of, you know, turbulence early on, you know, intentions, you know, you're doing good. And then there's still, still the world is, is coming, right? Like I'm seeing a brand new believer that got serious. We do this thing on Friday night called Recovery Church and they'll get lit up in there, right? And then, you know, Sunday, you know, the feelings worn away or Monday or whatever. And, you know, Jimmy from the block has hit him up or some ex-girlfriend or whatever. And just in the turbulence of you know, yes. make a mistake or whatever, and just how messy that is. Like what, I mean, how do you navigate that? That's a good question, man. And I, I, I have such respect just for what you guys are after, man. And I, I get it. Um, I've, I've found the stuff cause I, most of my buddies, a lot of my story, like I don't share this, like, but the, but the guy that led me to the Lord, we all went on a similar trajectory but he just got out of like a five-year stint in prison for meth oh, <laughs> manufacturing. He went back. He went back. The, yeah, like he the guy back. that had the 
that had that would have yeah. the yeah the vision the whole nine. Wow. Yes. Yeah. No, I so, get it. Most of my friends, that was the story. Yeah. And they, they've, I've had to meet them on the back end once they've come through and it's all fallen apart and now they're finding life again. Um, I, I, I'll, I'll just say it to you boldly. And again, I don't know. I, I want to be really, I, I have a lot of compassion and I don't know. I, I want to be compassionate, but I'll just say this. Jesus says, if your right eye causes you to sin, cut it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think you've got, and, I, and, and as horrible as some of that may be, some, it might be the spouse, it might be the parent, it might be the kid, I don't know. But there's got to be, for a season, a cutting out of those people out of your life. Yeah. That I've found that, that the ones with the highest success rate, you've got, you're a tender plant. You're a tender flower. And you've got to nurture that thing in a different environment. And there are so many soul ties with Johnny on the block or the old girlfriend or this or that, that is so connected that is being used as Satan to drag your soul back into hell that you have to build an electric fence around that and saying, I'm not strong enough right now to even deal with that. Yeah. So you're going to have to have friends in your life saying, just take the phone, take, take this. And that's going to be accountability and that's going to be all kinds of hard, but I feel like you got to have a season of walking in that before you can reemerge into life. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. We talk about that here a lot, about there's a level of just ruthlessness of, you know, not that you're just running around looking to be a jerk to people, but you are willing to, to cut them off, you know, yes. to, to get what, you, what God this has This is how Jesus you. told us with dealing with sin. He didn't say be casual or neutral about it. Yeah. So that's, that's how I would view something like that. And, um, but yeah. But then after the turbulence, weather it through and just get back going again. That's strong. That's so good. You know, I, I feel like that, you know, coming out of meth addiction and just, you know, really coming out of there's there's so much trauma. There's, you know, things that, that didn't go the way that, that people thought that they should go. And you just see so much hard stuff when you're when you're in that world. And, you know, I know a common theme is just people dealing with with anger. And yeah. just wanting God to be able to deal with that anger, deal with that stuff. I mean, is there, do you ever have to, have to walk any of that out? Oh, yeah. It's the anger of regret. It's the anger of pain. Um, you're going to, you've got to go on a journey of, of inviting God. Into, I, at the end of the day, you can process the anger in all the different ways. But at the end of the day, let the Father come and speak to those deep places of regret, pain, things you did and, and let him and receive his forgiveness in those places of letting him apply his blood and apply it. Cause there's nothing you can do. It's a free gift and you've got to let him love you and enjoy you in your ugliest state. And in that anger, I think you've got to bathe it in the love of God, bathe it in friends that aren't going anywhere. And it's a process and understand it's a process and, and let the love of God touch the little kid on the inside of you that's so angry over what you've done with your life. And understand this, that God redeems time. Because he's outside of time, he can redeem time. Which means this, what in a year, he can restore 10 years of damage in one year. He can restore six years in six months. Because he lives outside and 
he can come in and touch one in your heart and in relationships and that he can break in. But to understand that it is not over and just because they be cutting you right now, he is God and he's the God of the impossible that can turn things around, but you got to do it his way. And, and, and having confidence in that, that it's not over and it's not hopeless and you haven't damaged everything. Yeah. That's strong. I mean, I, I, I was just with a guy a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that's that's his journey now, coming out of prison after all the stuff, rebuilding something with his kids, and now he's on fire for Jesus, walking it out. And I just said it's not going to be a season where you're – he's even talking about rebuilding things with his kids. And, 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 and he goes, they're just not listening to me. And I go, this is not your season of talking. I said, this is just your season of being and letting the Lord work as they're noticing the change in you. And uh, that that's the other thing, too. So, Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So dynamic, too, walking this thing out. Man, I appreciate it. What, um, we want to we do a conference over here with you. What, who, who do we talk to? <laughs> talk to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I would love it, man. Okay. I, love it. I got such respect for you, your team there. As well as all the people, the parents, I know it. I've been there. I've been there in my journey. It's touched me on very personal levels, even after it. I've been. I've had to walk through some things with family members, and this has been a very deep. And I, I get the. What does it happen when you don't get the blast from heaven? Yeah. And you just walk away, but there's a process, and 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 and, and that knowing that journey. So I got great love and compassion, and I carry you in my heart. And uh, all of you, in a, anyway. No, yeah. I, I would be honored to come and be a part of something. Okay. Well, I'll get with you offline, man. I appreciate it. You um, got it. Would you, would you be willing to just pray for us? Yeah, yeah. God, I thank you, Lord, for Trey and the whole team. I thank you for good landing recovery and all the ones that are here. God, I pray right now that you're a father. You're a good father. You're a compassionate father. You're the father that sees one reach from a prodigal son, and you take 99. You're the one that sees one glance, and you take the rest. You're the father that runs, kisses, embraces, and gives second, third, and fourth inheritances as if you never lost the first one. Father, I pray right now for the inbreaking of God into good landing recovery. I pray for the anointing of heaven, the bondage breaking. God, I thank you in Matthew 17, you go this kind. And I thank you, Lord, that you're going to release authority and breakthrough for the this kind that comes out. God, I pray that they would encounter you. Everyone watching this, the parents, everyone would encounter you, Lord, like never before, encounter your love, encounter you in prayer, that you would release grace upon their hearts to follow you, that you would release friends to be faithful, that you would cut off all the voices from the outside and that they would grow in grace and that they would grow in the knowledge of you, God. I thank you so much for this. And I just speak blessing, open heaven and favor in the name of Jesus. Release it, God, I pray. Yes, Lord. Amen. 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 Thank you, bro. Um, People that want to connect with you, um, books, all that, where do they go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've written five books. I got another one coming out soon. You can find all of that on Amazon, anything Corey Russell uh, or CoreyRussell.org. Okay. I've got my, my website. Uh, I've done prayer albums 
And then I, I, I do online courses. So CoreyRussellOnline.com for that. Awesome. Bro, yeah, thank you. Yeah, you got it, man. Love you too, man. Thank you for everything. Bless you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422.